Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell to Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan as we break down the weekend that was on the NASCAR side of things at Phoenix International Raceway, excuse me, ISM Raceway from Phoenix, Arizona. Kyle Busch swept the weekend, 199 career NASCAR victories. His 52nd career Cup Series victory was Sunday in the Ticket Guardian 500 at ISM Raceway. He beat Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, Eric Amarola, and Denny Hamlin. It was the first race with NASCAR's short track version of this new package here in 2019. We'll break it all down tonight here for you on Talking Circles. Give us a call anytime during the show, 917-889-8280. That is the number to dial in. If you want to speak to me, Spencer, or Philip Matthew, we will get you on the air here tonight on Talking Circles. But let's start, guys. Let's start breaking this race down piece by piece. I mean, the dominant car of the day was Kyle Busch. I know everybody's kind of surprised at that, but he led 177 laps. Really, the only time he really didn't lead was early in the event. Um, he got to the lead, though, on lap 36, and, and through pit stops and stuff like that, lost the lead. But really, when he had a track position um, and, and he was up in the front, he was really hard to pass. Nobody really got to him. He had a real dominant car, and it was Kyle Busch, Spencer, and Victor Lane on Sunday and the second Guardian 500. What were your thoughts watching Busch? I think having a dominant victory there at ISM Raceway on Sunday. Yeah, he had a real dominant car. I mean, what racetrack doesn't he go to where he's dominant? But there's definitely no surprise there. If he's out front, he's a threat to win each and every week. And, you know, he's uh, about to clinch a big milestone. And, um, you know, but uh, he's – He's definitely great for the sport. That's I'll just get that out of the way. He's done a lot for the sport. And, uh, you know, he might not be liked, but the guy can wheel a race car. But uh, other than that, I think he, uh, like you said, once he was out front, he was hard to pass. You know, Blaney was able to hold him off a little bit, but Blaney used his stuff up. And uh, But really, the only car that could really compete with Bush was Blaney when his car was running good and uh, mm-hmm. didn't get tight. But uh, other than that, um, it's another victory and another trophy for the 18 team. It really was. It was a a big day for Kyle Busch. Um, And and you're right. I think Blaney had probably the second fastest car all day there. You know, uh, he took the pole on on Friday night there. And um, really, I think, just showed everybody um, that that 12 team, really what he needed was a good run there uh, at Phoenix. You know, he kind of got off to a little bit of a sluggish start this year. That was his first top 10 of the year. And they've had speed over there at Team Penske all year long, Phillip. But uh, for whatever reason, a 12 car could just never close these races. He led 41 laps at Atlanta, crashed into Daytona 500. They struggled at Las Vegas, had a couple pit road issues there. Finally put a full race together for Ryan Blaney and that 12 team, and, and they're finishing a third spot. Led a lot of laps, took the pole. Uh, that was a good step in the right direction for that team. But how about Kyle Busch also, Phillip? Uh, what do you have to say about, about those two drivers? I think they were the two best of the afternoon on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it was basically uh... – Kyle Busch weekend, of course, will go into the uh, Xfinity deal in a little bit, but it kind of was similar to November when Kyle Busch punched his ticket into the Final Four. He basically dominated that deal. Uh, Blaney held him off for a long time. Granted, I mean, on two tires, he was able to hold on, but as the run went on, that last run went on, Bush just kind of picked and picked, and he got, you know, a tenth here or a half a tenth there, and he was able to, you know, do it. He's done many times before, 190 
eight times before yesterday and go and win a race and uh, that 200th win probably be coming here before the Easter break and that'll be big news and I mean if you ask Fox everything they do is talk about Kyle Busch so <laughs> he's like the greatest he's the Lord and he's the greatest thing that's ever happened in NASCAR if you ask Daryl Walter because he's obsessed with him and his whole entire family um I mean, on the Blaney side of things, he's had a rough start to the season. Hadn't had a better finish than 22nd all year. Of course, the way he's run has been much better than what the results have shown. Uh, getting a third-place finish yesterday really just got nipped at the end by Truex. Was a, was a good run for them. Kind of gets their season settled and gives them a foundation to work off of. And, I mean, it's something that I, I think Blaney, now that his two teammates both have championships, uh, the pressure is on him to be able to perform. Uh, he had a rough year last year in a lot of ways, transitioning over to the big team. And, frankly, I'd prefer if he was still in the 21 car, but that's beside the point. Uh, Blaney now has to kind of perform and uh, show that he can be at that same level as his two more experienced teammates. And yesterday was an example of that, that he can perform at that level. Yeah, it really was. It was a, it was a, uh, a step in the right direction. Like I said, for Blaney, who just had some rotten luck to start the year. And, you know, that's what, that's what it is about these four races. They're interesting because they, um, you know, when you look at it and you say, well, there are only four, it's only four races, but we still have seen a lot of different things in these four races to where you get a, an idea, at least a little bit of a clearer picture about what the 2019 season is going to look like. Um, and as we go through the field, I, I think one of those things is, is Kurt Busch. I think Kurt Busch has really brought that one team to, a, to another level. Kyle Larson finished sixth, and it was Kurt Busch in seventh, Jimmy Johnson eighth, Kevin Harvick ninth, and Joey Logano tenth. A lot of those drivers there – sort of tell the story about what we've seen so far in 2019. Kurt Busch had a very good run. Uh, this wasn't one of his best runs of the year, but a nice solid seventh place finish for him. A very good day. Jimmy Johnson finally saw something from the 48 team this year, which was a step in the right direction. Hendrick Motorsports, they looked a little bit better speed wise, but the finishes weren't there. Chase spun out. Alex Bowman had a heck of a day and William Byron continued his struggles. Um, at least Jimmy Johnson got a top 10 finish. Kevin Harvick, a racetrack that everybody expect, expected him to come out. This is a, a Kevin Harvick's playground here the last few years. Well, he comes out, has a decent run, does a nice job, but finishes in the ninth position. It, it, to me, Philip, it just seems like Stuart Haas Racing, from where they were a year ago, I mean, remember a year ago, this team was talked about as the best team in racing. They're fast. Nobody's going to touch Stuart Haas Racing. All four cars want to race, and I know it's early. I know it's only four races into the season, but – I think it's a little bit of alarming to look at Kevin Harvick, a racetrack where he usually dominates and usually does very, very well. And he comes out here and, and not that he struggled, but they didn't have the speed that they normally have. And, and I heard somebody on the broadcast mention it might, it could be because of the Mustang. What are your thoughts on that? Philip Matthew Harvick and, and the whole Stuart Haas organization. It was a nice run by Amarola yesterday, but what are your thoughts about that team? Just not having the speed they had a year ago. I mean, it's true with Harvick when you consider how he was, how dominant he was a year ago at this time, winning three races in a row, uh, that they're kind of lacking 
uh, you could make the case that, especially for him, and the kind of, and and I think it speaks more to how well Kevin Harvick has done over his entire time at Stuart Haas Racing, that we're kind of, you know, kind of having to make a hit some signals or whatever. Oh man, Kevin Harvick is everything all right over there? And to me, I mean, yeah, I thought he would do better. I picked him in a couple of pools or whatever to to win and it's won nine times a phoenix and he never really was a factor all day uh yesterday but when you consider that eric almirola led 26 laps and finished fourth clint boyer was in second for a lot of the day yesterday uh the only car that really struggled was um uh julio cesar suarez but i mean uh he made his he made his highlight for the weekend earlier in the weekend anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, he had engine issues though. Remember I mean, the car shut off in the middle of that race that put him behind, and I don't know if he was able able really to 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 uh, to rebound from that. You know, when you get behind in these races now and you lose track position, you lose a lap like Suarez did there. Uh, he was never really able to to um, find himself after that. So I think that was part of why Suarez struggled. Uh, he hasn't had a great yeah. year. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's only four races in, like we said, but, um, I, you know, he had some issues there that were co- sort of at his control as well. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, the uh, same thing happened to Brad, and we'll go into that more with the rest of the rundown. But, I mean, the, when when you're talking about a race that's only 300, just over 300 miles, it's one of the shortest races on the cup circuit, you can't really lose any ground or else you're in trouble. And uh, considering how close the cars are, uh, I mean, I I would say I, I'm not really as alarmed because I think Ford overall as a group in terms of the Stuart Haas and Penske and then now adding Roush um, on more occasions than they have been recently all seem to be in the same kind of area and they all seem to be relatively all competitive. Uh I think Kevin Harvick in time will figure it out because him and Rodney Childers are one of the best combinations in recent history. They'll win their race or two that they need to, and all that really matters for both of them at this point is winning another championship, which can be said about a lot of these guys have won championships. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna set off any alarms about Kevin Harvick. I, I think he'll figure they'll figure it out in time, and uh, they'll be ready when it counts. It's and they're third in points, see. actually, right now, too. Yeah, yeah, but when you look at last year, and, and this is why I, I know it's it's crazy to, to ask him to go back and win and do what he did last year. They won eight races, had an amazing year, but he won. You know, he led. Uh, he's led three hundred less laps at this point than he did last year, and, and it just seemed like last year they had sort of a stranglehold on everybody else. Where you looked at it and said, "Well, there's Stuart Haas, and then there's everybody else." Right now, that's not the that's not the case. Even Gibbs. You know, adding Martin Truex Jr., I think that, that's a very underrated get for them. I know you say, well, it's not going to be underrated. Truex hasn't won a race this year, but he's done everything but. And, and he gives that team, that 19 car, another uh, a team to really compete with. Hamlin had a pretty good day. They had three three go- Joe Gibbs racing cars in the top five this week. Um, that's, an, that's a pretty, pretty darn good run there. Uh, Spencer, I want to talk to you about um, Jimmy Johnson and Hendrick Motorsports. Um, you know, not – Certainly not a race to say that they're a hundred percent back, but Jimmy felt very good about how, where this team was at Phoenix. Um, they they sort of you know 
you knew they were there. They were running in the top 10, running against drivers they normally race against. Still some work to do for that 48 team. The nine had his own issues. Uh, Alex Bowman had some tire issues that were sort of out of their control. And then Byron, Byron seems to uh, be struggling here a little bit this year as well. But uh, for Hendrick, Hendrick Motorsports overall, I mean, Chase came back and finished 14th. Not a terrible day. Not nearly as bad as what we saw at Las Vegas or Atlanta for that organization. No, this was uh, definitely a little bit of momentum, I guess you could say, for them for how bad they've been running. Um, it was good for Chase that that happened, happened so early. You know, like whatever it was, the first couple laps, they called it a violation. So, I mean, it, the first couple laps out of 312 laps, whatever it was, um, you have a lot of time to come back. And then he spun. So he probably could have got a little bit better finish if he didn't spin. Um, like you said, Alex Bowman, he finished way down. I honestly didn't see what happened to him, but I know he finished 35th. And William Byron had some problems. So, okay, well, thanks, Philip. There you go. He hit the wall. So, um, I don't know. They definitely still have a lot of work to do to compete with uh, all the top teams. You know, look at uh, Chip Ganassi. They're using their their stuff, and they're up front and running top tens each week. So, they need to uh, get it figured out soon because other people are using their stuff and they're beating them. So yeah. they, uh, that needs to be a wake up call saying, well, why can't we do it, do it? And when it's our stuff. So um, they definitely have a lot to, a lot of work to do if they want to compete for a championship. That's for sure. For sure. And, and if you go a little further th- through the field, guys, Boyer in 11th, we talked about Stuart Haas, but Philip, you brought up a great point about Roush Fenway 12th and 13th for Ryan Newman and, and Ricky Stenhouse jr. This week, um, and Newman had two pit road issues that he had to overcome and still finished 12th or still, yeah, still finished 12th and still sent house was 13th. It just seems like, and, and for the, the last decade, it has seemed like Roush Fenman racing has taken a step back, gradually a couple of steps back each year to the point where, we're, where we've gotten with them. Now it finally seems like, is this the year now, Philip, where, Roush has taken all of their inventory and focused it on the Cup Series. They no longer run the Xfinity Series. They no longer have Truck Series teams. They only have two Cup Series teams that they're having five over a decade ago. Is this the year where I guess we can sort of say Roush has stopped the bleeding? They got a very good veteran driver in the six car. That six car looks way better than it did a year ago at this time. And Stenhouse sits 10th in the points, has 16 stage points this year. It finally looks like Roush Fenway has stopped the bleeding over there, and, and that's a good sign if you're a fan of Ford and Roush Fenway Racing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good sign, uh, obviously, like what you're saying. And for them, I mean, the the decline from where they peaked 2005 with all five cars in the, in the then chase to now where they're basically a shell of what they used to be, I mean, they fell down the same path as, like, Yates and some of these other teams over the past. Uh, Newman being hired full-time, I mean, Matt didn't want to drive full-time. That's basically why Ryan Newman is there. Uh, But, I mean, I think also Newman wanted to prove that he wasn't a washout and that, I mean, he's not going to win races anymore. I mean, it's not like he won much anyways over – uh, after about 2003, but he's a solid driver, and uh, his his background, like we talked about early in the season, is going to help, and I think he's going to be more of a calming influence on Stenhouse, 
who likes to be more of an overdriving type of guy. And also, I think the rules have actually worked in the favor of Roush uh, in the way that Stenhouse likes to drive race cars and uh, the way that Newman kind of likes to drive it. It all probably has worked together along with Ford's general one, like one unit kind of focus. And it's probably a good sign. And it might mean that two guys could actually make the, make the playoff uh, right now, as of now, you know, early in the season, there's only two points out of the playoffs. Uh, so the reality is it's, it's a, it's there. It's an opportunity. I mean, you're, you're, is it really going to happen? Who knows? But you know, that's, it's not out of the realm. And uh, that's something right. you couldn't really say about Roush uh, since, since Carl Edwards is there. Yeah, and, and let me say, say this, and, and certainly you can't make the playoffs in four races. A good four-race stretch can't get you to the playoffs, but you could certainly throw it away in a four-bad-race stretch. And Rosh Fenway's done a very nice job in these four races. Just think about it a year ago. A year ago, Stenhouse was 17th in the standings, and Trevor Bain was 23rd. Bain then, and the next two races took a nosedive and ended up 29th in points after Martinsville. And that's when things started to turn. You started hearing whispers about maybe them replacing him. And then Matt Kenseth got in the car in the middle of the year. Stenhouse is now 10th in points. Newman is 17th. But I can guarantee you, and I think everybody on this show and everybody listening to this show can agree, that car will not fall to 29th in the standings um, after California and, and Martinsville. It's just, it's just a different mentality there right now. Newman's, you know, when you think about Ryan Newman, you don't necessarily think about a guy who wins a ton of races because he doesn't win a ton of races, but he's that stable influence that goes to that organization. You say, you know what, after the kind of – we've seen veteran drivers leave that team. Out of, after all we saw, it's finally nice to see a team, somebody on this team in there and go, here's what you guys need to do. And I think Scott Graves has helped this team as well. Uh, you know, comes over from Joe Gibbs Racing, spent the last – the better parts of three years – over there at JGR, including his Xfinity Series run with Suarez, and uh, brings some fresh notes to that organization. Says, here's how we do it at Joe Gibbs. I know you guys have been doing it this way, but let's do it this way. This is what we've been doing over there at uh, at Joe Gibbs. So maybe that'll make him perform a little bit better. Uh, another driver, guys, who I thought had a very good run was Ty Dillon. Stayed on the lead lap, which for that 13 car has been a chore the last couple of years. Uh, a, a solid run for Ty Dillon in a Geico car for him. Chris Buescher as well did a nice job uh, in a 16th spot. Then you had Paul Menard, Daniel Hemrick, Brad Keselowski, and Matt Tift in his first top 20 of his career for Front Row Motorsports. Um, Spencer, anybody that really sticks out for you between 15th and 20th there um, from, from yesterday's race? Ty Dillon for sure. I mean, like you said on a previous show, you forget he's even in the race. And, uh, that's kind of sad. You know, he's got RCR, and RCR is a top team in the sport, so you definitely expect they should run a little bit better um, than what they have been. I mean, geez, he's that's that's ouch for him. Uh, but a good run for him. Uh, but the other RCR cars, they didn't run well either, 18th and 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good run by Matt Tith. You know, like that. that's a smaller team that's working their way up. And for him, being a rookie, you know, that's he posted a video on Twitter, and he said this is an excellent day for us. Uh, so that's uh, momentum for that team moving forward. And um, uh, but Daniel Hamrick, that's uh, 
a little bit uh, alarming. 18th, you expect them to run better with the good equipment that they have. And also, you can't really use the Chevrolet as a problem anymore. It's their second year. They should have it all figured out. They had 36 races last year to get all that uh, funk out of the way. So you can't really use that as an excuse anymore. Um, but it's only the fourth race of the season. Everybody, you know, still working on the uh, little adjustments to try to get better. But uh, Matt Tiff's one that stood out and Ty Dillon for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Ty Dillon, you know, like I said, for them to finish on the lead lap, it's been it's been difficult for that team to do that. Uh, over the last uh, two years. So for them to do that, it, it, it's certainly a solid run. Uh, Philip, how about Brad Kozlowski's day yesterday? A uh, uh, lap down in 19th, he ended up, uh, you know, we saw him really not uh, get any stage points yesterday, which is sort of alarming, but had some issues there with the car early on, was able to, to finish it and give it a respectable day. Uh, but what about Brad Kozlowski's run uh, at Phoenix on Sunday? I mean, as you know, the using it as a test bed for November in terms of the playoffs, it didn't go very well. He qualified fifth. All the Penske cars were very fast on Friday. But and early in the race he was okay. But then I think there was like a uh the what do you call uh the the steering one of the steering uh, parts went and rubbed on the sidewall. The sidewall is flexing a little too much. It has a little leak, cuts a tire, hits the wall, and then that just starts a you know a chain reaction of suck that led to a one lap down, 19th place finish. Uh, he had a chance at the lucky dog, or I think he got the lucky dog in the end. That last run, he went down a lap because I think half the field had got the lucky dog or whatever. And, they they all got lapped down on that by the end of that last run. Uh, unfortunate run considering where it started and what the potential was for the day for the two car. Uh, but you know, and when you win the second race of the year and you know that you're basically locked in, mm-hmm. it's days like today or yesterday that don't really mean as much because you're still in and you're still probably going to end up finishing in the top 10 in the regular season points and you just knock it off. You're able to, the days of a 19th place finish really hurting you in the grand scheme of things doesn't really exist as much uh, now that there's a reset. It's when you only have three races within a certain time period like we were talking about earlier, you know, like a four-race stretch or two-race stretch could define your season or could really screw you over. That's where it really hurts. But, you know, things like this happen. Hopefully it's not the norm. But, you know, the, I think there might have been a little experimentation, you know, sway bar link or something went and rubbed the tire. I mean, Goodyear had enough tire problems as per usual because they don't know how to make a good tire, and they really have never known how to make a good tire for about... I won't say never. It's been about a good 20 years since they've made good tires, maybe even longer than that. But, um, you know, when they're already coming out before the practice sessions on Friday, say, you know, we we, we want to do minimum air pressures, you know that they know they're screwed up. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I hope all that what money about, works for NASCAR, but, you know. What about the fact that, um, and there was a lot of people 
who said this on on a broadcast about Kozlowski going so low there, uh, going to the start finish line because you can run that corner so low, make it five wide in, if you do, and and there's dust and dirt down there and all kinds of stuff you can get that that can um, affect the underneath of that race car and and do some damage underneath that race car and do all kinds of things. Do you think that played anything at all on the Kozlowski's issue? And and listen, maybe that's something he can look at and say, maybe not be so aggressive or yeah, so aggressive with the underneath of the car. Um, next time we come here, you know, they they can sort of they they maybe sort of experimented with that this weekend because they know they're locked in and and this is a a, a crucial race in the playoffs when you get here in November again. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of experimentation on the part of, of Kozlowski and that two team? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I, I you can't really rule out anything when you finish 19th. It's really whatever. You just have to chalk it up to, you know, just it's racing. I mean, yeah, he went low and they wanted it because the fact is they need to figure out a way to cover for Goodyear. Um, and so that, I mean, it doesn't cover up the fact that they make a bad product, but, uh, yeah, sure, he went very low on the racetrack, but every restart, people I don't know how many people went on the apron and below the apron, and then I think they're about four wide in a turns one and two, which is basically going in a pit road, and it's pretty right. dirty once you get onto the entrance of pit road, and literally there is maybe about, you know, he was one of the only people who theoretically had a problem. Yeah, he could have been R&D and stuff. It's fine. Uh, hey, going... Just chalk it up, go to ACS, track that Penske's very good at, a track that Penske used to own and got built. And Brad has won there a couple times. 917-889-8280 here to join the show on Talking Circles. That's the number. Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan. Spencer, I want to get your opinion on the racing on Sunday at Phoenix. I mean, it was a little bit different package. Um, not totally different. They, they still had 7,500 horsepower. Um, so it wasn't totally different. They were breaking a lot in the corners, but the big spoilers, a heavier front end. Uh, did you like what you saw at Phoenix this weekend? What were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I didn't think, uh, problem is, is the leader still gets so far away and that just makes it for a kind of a boring race. Like not going to lie. Once Kyle Busch took the lead, I kind of stopped watching the race there for a little bit because <laughs> he's just going to pull away and there's no catching him, And it's, I'm not going to, like, I love the sport of NASCAR. I love racing, but it gets boring. Uh, I don't care if Ty Dillon was leading and he pulled away. It just gets so boring because you know nobody's going to catch him. But, uh, you know, there were some good battles throughout the race. You know, I saw uh, Blaney and um, uh, Bush, you know, even though Bush was a little bit behind, you know, it still made for a good battle for first because it was somewhat close. Um, but when it, it just gets so spread out, it gets, it really does get boring. I mean, it wants to put you to sleep. There's no action. There's no passing. And I don't want to see single file and spaced out. Um, but other than that, you know, it wasn't too bad. It could have been a lot worse. Um, yes. But uh, I've seen better racing. But overall, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too bad in my eyes. I, I personally think it was just the fact that Kyle Busch had such a great race car and was so, you know, and you're going to get that in this sport a lot. You know, um, that's the way it goes. Somebody hits a setup and, man, it, they can – you know, go back to the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, we've seen people dominate races. Uh, you know, so I think that had a lot to do with it. But how about you, Philip? What were your thoughts on on uh, the racing? Um, certainly not as many 
green flag lead changes of, as we saw in the other races at, at Vegas and Phoenix and uh, excuse me, Vegas and Atlanta. But what did you think about the racing here at ISM raceway on Sunday? I mean, it's funny that Spencer mentioned about it could make you fall asleep. Cause I did fall asleep during that last segment. Uh, and, uh, I was zoning in and out while Blaney was leading, and I was kind of like, oh, man, please hold on. I know that Kyle's going to come here and probably get him, and then he got him with about 20 or 30 to go, and I was like, yeah, well, I knew that. It's a, I, it, I've gotten to the point where I've seen this 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 movie before, and it's we're at 199, so I'm like, when, you kinda, when, when Kyle Busch takes the lead, usually unless he does something goofy like he did at the Daytona 500, uh, you know, he wins. So uh, the racing at Phoenix doesn't really matter. They've reconfigured the track. They've made all these changes to the cars. It's a tr- it's a track where if you can hit the setup, you're going to be able to be really good. It used to be Jimmy Johnson. Then it became uh, Kevin Harvick. And now it's Kyle Busch has won the last two cup races there. He won as a rookie there in 2005. And now he's kind of figured out the setup with uh, Adam Stevens. And, I mean, the more that they make the cars drive like an Xfinity car, when you consider that this guy's won 94 Xfinity races, um, I think it's probably going to fall into his favor. But in reality, it doesn't really matter what you change it to. Kyle Busch has won one race in the last 15 years. He's going to figure it out. Yeah, Um, and I say... Let me say this, you know, what is incredible about him is how he continues to evolve as a race car driver. You know, there's some drivers who say, well, this person's really good on the super speedways. This good, this person's really good on the mile and a half tracks, but not so good on the short tracks. Kyle's, his, always his Achilles heel was always seems to be the, the flatter tracks. The Martinsville, he was never really great at. Pocono, he struggled at in his career for a w- little while. Phoenix, he never really ran t- tremendous at. New Hampshire, it just seemed like Kyle was never really th- the guy to go out there and dominate those racetracks. Well, he's got him figured out now. Now he's, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. He's figured it out. He's figured out these flat tracks. And and give him credit because that was, I think, was sort of something that he wasn't really used to. It it, it just, you know, I remember at Pocono one time in, in a race, he, he spun out three or four times in one race there. And it was just like, I have had it with this place. He goes, and, and he came out and admitted Flat tracks are not my favorite racetracks, and he's worked at that, worked at that, worked at that. And certainly, being in a tremendous race with a tremendous race team at Joe Gibbs Racing uh, it is is certainly plays into his favor. But I think Philip hit on it right there. Adam Stevens is Kyle Busch's is Kyle Busch's Ray Abraham. What Ray Abraham was to Jeff Gordon, that's what Adam Stevens is to Kyle Busch. He's finally found that crew chief that he that he. Knows understand knows exactly what he's talking about. Can set up the race car perfectly, and this is a match made in heaven. They have been. He's he he towed the form for two years to get in the Cup Series, and finally got him in there. Won a championship in his first year. We know he only ran sixteen, or he missed uh, eight or nine races there. But since he's gotten paired with Adam Stevens, Kyle's really taken off. And um, I, I think when you look at this, it's early. When you look at this 2019 season, I think he's your your favorite early on in this championship. Want to get your opinion, guys? On, on, I want to get both your opinions on this next subject here I want to bring up before we go to the Xfinity Series. And you can chime in on the phone, 917-889-8280. Your biggest surprise so far through the first four races 
of the 2019 season. It could be either a, a bad surprise, somebody who your surprise isn't running as good as they should, or somebody who's running better than, than what you what you expected. Um, we'll start with, with Spencer on that. Uh, who's your biggest surprise? I know it's early, only four races. Who's your biggest surprise so far um, here in 2019? I'm not going to say biggest surprise, but I'm just going to say Kurt Busch. You know, other than the Daytona 500, he's finished top 10 in every race. You figure, you know, Chip Canassi struggled last year. Yeah, you know, the new uh, Camaro, whatever. But he is really performing. He is up front each and every week. He's, you know, he's only led a couple laps this year, but he is giving them a run for the money when he's in the top 10. Um, you know, I'd be honest, I didn't expect him to go out there and finish top 10 in every race. I mean, the Daytona 500 is unpredictable. It's a super speedway race, so. He's he's surprised me. I know he's Kurt Busch. He's a champion, but just coming with a new team, you know, you figure there'd be a little struggle, some adjustment. But he's really hitting on all cylinders right now. Um, I I agree wholeheartedly. So that would, I think that's a great that's a great guess. That's a great answer, Spencer, to that question. And and it's almost like, and I don't know why. And this is how I feel. I don't know if you guys feel the same way about Kurt Busch. It's almost like we not that we forgot how great of a race car driver Kurt Busch is, but you almost took it for granted because. You know, we saw what he did in the smaller teams at Phoenix Racing, and when the 78 really didn't have that big of an alliance, he did a very good job there. And I, I personally, when he got to that 41 team, I'm like, man, this is going to be an unbelievable run for him. He's going to go out there, win some championships, win a ton of races, and it never seemed to happen. I don't know if what, whether they couldn't find the right crew chief combination with Kurt. You know, he had three different crew chiefs there between Gibson Canos and, uh, and, and Billy Scott. So he could never really find that guy that really um, messed with him too well. And, and I always felt his, his tenure at Stewart House Racing was a little bit disappointing, in my opinion. So for him to come out here in this one team and, and really perform and really run good, I definitely think uh, it, it has a lot of people on high alert saying, wow, maybe Kurt Busch isn't the, is the driver we all thought he was. Um, and he's finally with a team that maybe he's with a crew chief and Matt McCall that understands him a little bit better. Certainly, I think uh, that's, a, that's a very good point made there by Spencer. How about you, Philip? Um, anybody that really, again, it could be good or bad, anybody that really sticks out for you here so far in 2019 through the first four races? I mean, yeah. I mean, Kurt is, that's the, I would think, is the big, <clears throat> big one. I mean, when you consider who he replaced and, and Jamie McMurray and how he performed in that car relative to what Kurt has done so far, early on this season and all the changing uh, rules packages per every race, it's a pretty big deal that Kurt Busch early in the season has been able to take off. I mean, in some ways you could say it's maybe his last hurrah, and he's like, well, you know what, I'm just going to leave it all out on the table. Who cares? It is what it is. Um, to me, um, in terms of, a surprise or something that's kind of off a little bit. And I'll, I'll, I'll say chase. Uh, I mean, chase Elliott last year, you know, late in the season, he won those three races. He set himself up as somebody who, you know, theoretically could be a future champion. He's a lead dog at Hendrick motorsports basically now, uh, struggled so far this year, only the one top 10, uh, hasn't led a lap. I mean, on Sunday, he probably could have led a lap, and theoretically he did. 
but he jumped the initial start, so they penalized him. Then in his haste to try to get back to the front, uh, spun out. I think uh, for, you know, the guy who's going to be the most popular driver for as long as he runs in cup, uh, him only having one top ten and uh, this year early, I think for somebody who contended and was on the cusp of making the final four, I think that's where I would I would go uh, in terms of uh, a focus. And then the guy behind him, I'm sorry to go for two, but Eric Jones, who I think the pressure is really on him, considering we talk about Chris Bell a lot on the show. Um, I think the pressure is really on Eric Jones for him to perform this year because if anybody's going to now, it looks like he might be on the on the chopping block. So I think for and he had a rough day yesterday. So mm-hmm. um, I would think those two guys and their performance so far early this year would be a little bit alarming. But I figure California things will balance themselves out maybe for both of them. Well, it's a, it, those two are very good guess, uh, answers again, you know, and I think it's very fair for both of them. Chase Elliott especially, you know, when he won Dover, um, there's people calling up this show and, and on this show and, and commenting on the show saying, and I'm going, well, if it's not the big three, then who's got the chance to win this championship? And literally everybody was mentioning Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, and at that point, you're sitting there going, of course they were. Well, well, you know, it's really not that far-fetched anymore to come out and say that Chase Elliott was going to win the championship at that point. It really wasn't that far-fetched. He was really running good, especially in a mile and a half. He really impressed a lot of people. And when you think about where that where he was at the end of last year, and yeah, it's a long time ago, but race-wise, you know, that was only six, seven races ago where Chase was not only considered a guy who can win races, but on a lot of people's you know, Radar, he was a guy that could win the championship and outrun Kevin Harvick and outrun Martin Trex Jr. and outrun Joey Logano and outrun Kyle Busch. And he hasn't done that at all this year. And it's there's no doubt it's early um, for sure. But it, it you would love to have seen him. I think if you're a Chase Elliott fan, you would have felt much better about this year coming in where you sat there and you sat him and said, listen, I want three top ten finishes. I don't care about Daytona because Daytona's Daytona. But I want to see him run really good here and, and get keep that momentum up, you know, finishing the top five a couple of times, at least running the top five. We haven't seen that at all from him. And, that, and Eric Jones, I'm waiting for Eric Jones to take off. I really am. I'm waiting for him to all of a sudden just hit a switch and you go, wow, here comes Eric Jones. Okay, this is the guy we've watched in Xfinity. This is the guy we want, watch with a ton of races and trucks. Hasn't happened in Cup yet. Um, and maybe it's a little unfair to to expect that from him because he's still very, very young in his cup career. This is only his third full-time season in cup. And it takes guys a while, you know, it took Larson a little bit to get his feet underneath him. It took, uh, you know, Stenhouse a little bit to get his feet underneath him. It's, it's taken uh, Austin Dillon a long time to get his feet underneath him. And, and I think guys, and, and speaking of Austin Dillon, I think that's the guy for me. And I, and I know we ran out of gas yesterday and had a pretty good run up until that point, but right now he sits 21st in the standings. No top 10 finishes this year at all for him. Um, only two top 20s, 16th at Daytona. You know, he, he basically survived the wrecks there. Uh, and then a 21st, 20th, and 21st. You know, that's a guy I, I think everybody wanted to see him blossom this year. And, again, you know, making the playoffs the last two years, you thought last three years, you thought, 
well, this team's really going to blossom and really do well. They've gotten off to a rough start there. So I think Austin Dillon definitely in that category as well. And we talked about Stenhouse earlier. Um, this is probably the highest he's been in points in a long time, 10th in a couple series points. So I think Stenhouse certainly is the guy um, to keep an eye on here and, and see what he does um, as the season moves along. 907-889-8280. IK9 dog, service dog 200 was the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Phoenix at ISM Raceway. I'm going to call Phoenix until I think until I'm 100 years old. I'm not going to get used to this. At ISM Raceway in Avondale, Arizona. But Kyle Busch was your winner. That was Ryan Truex, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, and Austin Sidrick. I didn't think Kyle, this race wasn't so easy for Kyle Busch until about uh, lap 131 when his be- best competition of the day, both Justin Allgaier and Christopher Bell, got taken out in a wreck. Um, you know, uh, Stephen Light blew an engine, and he really blew up, really, really, really blew up. And uh, probably one of the biggest engine failures we've seen in a long time. I mean, the smoke was all over the place. Uh, Allgaier and Bell were running second and third, slid in, in the oil of, of Stephen Light, and uh, took both of those cars out for, for a contention for a win. Allgaier continued to finish 14th, but Christopher Bell, who I thought ran a phenomenal race up until that point, uh, finished in the 30th spot. So it, it was pretty easy. It was a pretty easy cakewalk after that for Kyle Busch because both of his stiff competition, Philip, got taken out uh, in that accident. But what were your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race on Saturday? Yeah, I would, that's the that's the main thing. I uh, That was the most interesting thing that really happened outside of the battle between Chris Bell and his former uh, truck owner and teammate there and Kyle Busch. I mean, they, I, I and Chris Bell, as much as anybody, has been forthright in saying he wants to compete against the best, and, and arguably Kyle Busch is the best. So he was able mm-hmm. to stand up to him, and he's one of the only guys I can think of over the years in the Xfinity series that's really given Kyle Busch a little bit of a a little bit of a problem, which I think is a good sign for the future, wherever that may be. Uh, unfortunately, Stephen Light um, is driving that, uh, driving the uh, the the Looney Tune Zero One that always seems to have something to do with wrecks or some sort of mechanical or something like that. Because, I mean, I have a buddy of mine that works for uh, JD Motorsports and he works on the number nothing for Garrett Smithley and they do a lot with a little and you talk about the four car of course with uh, Chastain with, uh, Chastain and but then when you consider after that and then McQuad drives the third car that zero one car is just kind of out there for the sake of being out there and it definitely made a difference on Saturday because if he hadn't been out there probably there would have been a race, but once uh, the 20 got eliminated and the seven got eliminated, basically that set the tone for Kyle Busch to go and win number 94. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, and, and, and I think Stephen light actually was having his best run of the year in that car. He was a top 20 car at that point before he blew up. So that was a little unfortunate for him. He's a guy I always pull for because, you know, I, I think, you know, he kind of got a raw deal over there when Robert Yates shut down and one rookie he of the did. year did a good job. And uh, I felt like he got, kind of got a raw deal there. Um, but certainly, um, you know, certainly when you look at what, what goes on there, 
um, in that race. It, it certainly deprived us from from what was going to be a tremendous finish and a tremendous race between Bell and, and Bush. And I mean, Christopher Bell was one of the only guys uh, that we've seen in, in recent memory to go up there and really pass Kyle Bush and challenge him um, for wins and and running, especially at a track like Phoenix, which is a really tough racetrack. And Bell, if you remember a year ago, Bell ran really good at Phoenix before he had, uh, you know, I felt when he won that race last year in the Xfinity Series and dominated the way he did it, if you remember last year in November, he had to come from the rear of the field and passed everybody and won. It was just an unbelievable display of driving for Christopher Bell last year. And he was doing it again here at Phoenix before he had his issues. So that's one of his best racetracks, something to keep an eye on when he's in cup next season. Uh, but Ryan Shrix was second, like I said. Then it was Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, and Austin Sindrick. Anything that stands out for you, Spencer, in that top five? Certainly Ryan Shrix, a guy who's never won an Xfinity Series race, right there in the runner-up spot. A nice run for him. And Tyler Reddick, um, the champ, defending champion of this series, another top top five finish for him as well this year uh, in the third spot. So uh, I, when you go I'll, through the rest of the I'll field. I'll in there. I mean, you got uh, it. You got me. Okay. Go ahead, Spencer. Yeah, right, I got you. So, anyways, um, Truex, it was a good run for him, his first outing um, for JRM. He was running good all day, really. I mean, would he have finished second if those two would have wrecked? Probably not, but, you know, they did. So, he got a top two finish, and that's good for him. Uh, you know, they, he shows that he can compete in top equipment, that's for sure. Um, you know, another impressive run by Tyler Reddick. You know, he's definitely a threat to win the championship, too. I know uh, Christopher Bell is, but I think Reddick is an aggressive driver. He's going to give it everything he has, and he's going to give uh, the 18 team a run for their money. Um, I mean, Kyle yeah, Bush not again. So, I mean, uh, yeah. it's it's not really fun to watch these races anymore <laughs> when he's in them. Um, it's really not. I mean, he he's leading the whole thing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, for those guys that had an impressive run, you know, Cole Custer fourth and Cendric fifth, the top five basically looks the same. Uh, it's unfortunate for uh, the two that wrecked, but quite honestly, I don't think uh, they were going to catch them anyways um, unless they had another restart. That's the only way I think they were going to get them. Um, other than that, it was a pretty – it was an okay race. Um, but, yeah, Kyle Busch on top, and those two had an impressive runs again. A little deeper in the field, Chase Briscoe, 6th, Brandon Jones, 7th, Michael Annette, 8th, John Hunter Nemechek, ninth, and Ryan Sieg, 10th spot. I mean, Philip, Ryan Sieg's had a heck of a year so far this year. Um, a guy who runs his own organization, he's running for the last, this is his 7th full-time year in the Xfinity Series, a 4th at Daytona, an 11th at Atlanta, 6th at Las Vegas, and 10th uh, at Phoenix. He's certainly... Cur- currently sits 10th in the standings for that team. Uh, this is a guy who the best he's finishing the Xfinity series in his career points wise um, was ninth. So here he is in 10th. What do you think um, about his, you know, his run so far and, and everything that goes with um, what he's done, but, you know, the most top tens he's ever had in this season is three. In 2016, he's got three already in 2019. So uh, what do you think about his run so far? Yeah, I mean, Cowboys, Starlin, they've made a lot of improvements to that organization in the last few years. And it's definitely – and it looks like the same focus 
that uh, the JD Motorsports team made with that four car is a focus that Ryan Sieg has made for himself. And it has made a big difference overall to the product that they put out on the racetrack, the the ability that Ryan Sieg has shown and how much he's picked up his uh, his ability and he, the way he's done and were uh, driven in the last few years. I mean, he wasn't somebody that stood out as anybody that was a big deal, uh, you know, to go and come out and now be, you know, 10th in points and a legit 10th in points, average finish of a 7.8. I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal for a small effort. I mean, that was back in 2016, yeah. I mean, finished ninth in points. Yeah, I, did, I, I couldn't believe it when you said that. I had to go and check just to make sure because I couldn't believe it. Uh, <laughs> he hasn't you. really done any, any – I mean, in nothing that would get you seen in, in what he's done in many years of his career would make you believe that he would be somebody that would be that kind of standout competitor. But in this case, it looks like they, they have a lot – they're running really competitive. And, I mean, really, there's only 13 drivers for 12 spots. So when you mm-hmm. consider when you consider where they are, they have a legitimate chance to make this, uh, this playoff uh, come September. And, uh, I mean, the only car that's outside right now is Chase Briscoe. And I figure after – and Chase Briscoe on Saturday had a couple of penalties, mistakes, whatever, and he had – a great long run car like Martin Truex did yesterday got a six place finish out of it. Briscoe's car was fast as anything. And uh, the longer the season goes along and they have some companion individual races and things like that, I think the 98 team will be able to go and measure up to the double zero. And uh, over time, I think it'll balance itself out for those guys. And um, once, Chase Briscoe gets himself into the top 12, then there'll be a fight between C. Chastain and, I guess, Haley as of now, and probably later on John Hunter Nemechek for, it'll be four for three. But, I mean, credit to Ryan Seed and that team for the, the improvements they've made to, Absolutely. to be a top 10 competitor every week. Absolutely. And you talked about Briscoe. I think, you know, once he gets more races underneath him, he's never won, run Phoenix before uh, this weekend. So once he gets more races underneath him and everything, uh, you know, gets established to this race team, I think he's going to be certainly um, a guy to contend with in the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, Ryan Sieg, you talked about Cowboy Starland. Cowboy's still there doing, you know, he's a veteran guy. You remember him all the way back in the truck series running for Rick, uh, being a crew chief for Rick Crawford back in the day. I know that's a kind of a dirty word now, but um, – but Cowboys done a great job there, and and now they brought in Shane Wilson too, who Shane was Wilson, the crew yeah. chief, who was the crew chief if you remember back in the uh, in the Cup days with Kevin Harvick and RCR and the and the uh, 33 car Cheerios Chevrolet for um, Clint Boyer, you know. So he he's been around the block. He, he's helped out um, Kaz Gvala in recent years. So Shane Wilson definitely brings a a big team perspective, you know, some big team notes to that. Uh, RSS racing team. I think that really helps what this team's trying to do. Um, and that's taking the next step up. And I think that's what people have to look at. Um, you know, there's baby steps you take in this sport and people, you know, they talk about front row motorsports. Well, where, what, why isn't front row motorsports still a, a team that's not going to compete for championships? 
you know, but if you look at where Front Row Motorsports has been the last, where they were six years ago compared to where they are today, you go, they're a much better team than where they were six years ago. It's just taking a while to get there. RSS Racing is another organization where you look at it and you say, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. We have to take, especially when you're a team, they, and they got some help. Um, I think they got some Ganassi cars this year as well over there. So they yeah. certainly, um, you know, boosted up their in- inventory on that 39 team. And, and it seems to be paying off for Ryan Sieg. So uh, California is an interesting weekend. This is a West Coast trip for these Xfinity Series teams. It's a strain on them. A lot of the drivers and, and teams out there have been out there all week, all, all three weeks, build, working on their race cars in, in certain different spots, especially the smaller teams, because it doesn't make sense to come all the way back east. So uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend. And what do you think we're going to see here, Spencer? Cup Series, we're back at a track that um, you see the, the horsepower reduced and you got the, the nose, the holes in the front nose. How, what do you think we're going to see at auto club speedway as we move forward here uh, next weekend? Uh, I think we're going to see Kyle Larson up front. Uh, hopefully, you know, he likes the racetrack. He has a win there in 2017. So, um, but you know, it's a different package of course. And that has a lot to do with it, but, um, he was running well with the package so far. He ran w- well with it in Atlanta. I know it's a different racetrack, blah, blah, blah. But, um, it's still going to be fast. You're going to really get, uh, you know, a lot of speed down the front straight away. Um, hopefully it doesn't get too strung out. Um, I have a feeling that it will. Um, but I think we're going to see, uh, some pretty good racing on both sides, in my opinion. Uh, to be honest, I've kind of enjoyed this package so far. Um, I thought I was going to hate it. As you know, we've talked off air and we were bashing it so bad, but it hasn't been so bad. So hopefully it's just a good race. And I hope the leader just doesn't get five, six seconds out on the pack because that'll be really boring and I'll fall asleep again. And I don't want to do that. So um, I just want to see, you know, a little bit closer racing and uh, I want to see the 42 up front. How about you, Philip? It's going to be interesting, this package. I think this is going to be, the first test where we can really see multiple laps and maybe even entire runs. And I know California is a little bit different now because the, the tires wear more. It's a worn out racetrack. You got the back stretch where it's very, um, you know, abrasive and, and they bump up and down. There's a lot of bumps on the back stretch, but I think this could be the first week we see with this package, the first race we see with this package where we're wide open, literally the entire run. Uh, big, wide, high-banked corners, uh, over a two-mile track. It's going to be wild to see what these guys do on these restarts in the Cup Series. Uh, do you think – and I remember – it was funny because I remember somebody telling me back in, you know, when when Fontana lost the, the Labor Day weekend event, and everybody was kind of saying, well, what are we going to do with California? It's not really selling out well. You know, it, nobody really likes it on the, on the racetrack, uh, on the TV – what are we going to do with, with Fontana? You know, maybe we can put restrictor points on, extend the track a little bit, and make it a super speedway. And I thought about that, and I said, no, I don't want, I don't want a fifth super speedway race. No way. A fifth restrictor point race. No way. Please, don't do it. Well, this package now is so much, I believe, is so much like what we're going to see at a super speedway race that it could very well be similar to what we're going to see at Talladega and Daytona. And if you listen to, I think it was Kozlowski came out this weekend and said, hey, the tandem draft could come back at Daytona and Talladega. Do you think it's possible? And I know it's an abrasive track, 
and that's something to keep in mind. But do you think it's possible, Philip, that this package this weekend is sort of a glimpse to what we're going to see at Daytona and Talladega with just how similar these tracks are? Remember, California is a two-plus-mile racetrack, two-plus-mile two racetrack. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what we're going to see this weekend at, at Fontana? I'm not so sure it's going to be uh, like Daytona and Talladega, mainly because of the banking in the corners. It's much less banking in the corners at California ACS uh, than than uh, Daytona and Talladega. Anything that involves the tandem draft, it kind of makes me excited because I that was run basically the only time when I actually cared for restrictor plate racing. Uh, I think that the racing um, for the Cup Series, there's the, the draft is going to be as big of a factor in a Cup race for the first time in a very long time that is non-Daytona-Talladega because you just got an 8-inch spoiler, reduced horsepower. It's going to be a lot of momentum, being able to maintain momentum. And uh, I honest, I have high hopes for this race. I mean, the reality is ACS has actually become a generally decent race now that they went down to one and they run it in day and they run it in March. It's become a decent race. And the track is so rough that it really, the corners are difficult. You have multiple lanes that you can run. The back straightaway is basically like a super cross track, which I find to be cool because it makes them actually have to get the car off the ground a little bit. And, uh, I mean, it is a challenge. And I think, I mean, I don't know, I think we talked about it or I read about it where it's like, oh, well, the best races might actually be ACS in Michigan because of this package. And truck race, trucks usually do a really good job at Michigan. And if if it's basically akin to a truck series race, I don't think we could go along with that. Um, so I would hope to see something like that. I mean, there will be a little bigger field this week than there was last week. And uh, I guess we'll find out. But um, I'm curious to see this race and how it will be with this uh, new rules package, the new package that they're going to And I'm with uh, you. see what happens. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what we have at, at Fontana. You know, um, and you brought up Michigan. It's funny because I think about Michigan, and honestly, and I've said this the last few years, I think a couple of the worst races we've had all in the last four or five years have been both races at Michigan. Um, and I do think this package here at, at Auto Club Speedway is going to be a preview to what we're going to see at Michigan. It's going to be a little different. Auto Club, their tires are going to wear more, I think. You mentioned it back straight away there where it's um, it, it's certainly you know very bumpy and and a lot of drivers complain about it, but I love it. it. It's character. It brings handling back to this racetrack. But if this package can make the racing at Auto Club and especially Michigan better, I mean, I don't know how you can get worse, honestly. I felt like Michigan's been that bad the last few years. So um, I'm all for that. <laughs> you know, I don't care what you got to do to the package. I'm all for that. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We'll see what this package does. We'll talk a little bit more about that and, and preview Auto Club Speedway here on uh, a little bit later in the week here on Talking in Circles. I want to thank Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew and everybody who listened tonight on Talking in Circles. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter, and we'll be back here later in the week on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody. <laughs>